Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour of OutKick 360 across the OutKick network rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, we get into the Arch Manning effect on Texas. Wore the shirt on purpose today. We've got the the, the orange bloods in studio. It's, it's a. It, let me point out your shirt also. Go this ahead. is brilliant on the part of, of Cricket, who, who makes these shirts. But yeah. to not have to pay, I, I hope I don't get them in trouble by saying this, but to not have to pay People the University of it. Texas. No, it's not getting the image. I'm saying to not have to pay the University of Texas a trademark on a shirt that's clearly a Texas shirt. It if is. you're at a Texas event. Yes, it's got it the helmet brilliant on the shirt. By them. Trying to make and this. it looks really cool. And it's only been worn one time right now, because I have a reason to to add it. They they sent this to me saying, Hey, if you ever uh, take outkick the tailgate to Austin, here you go. Of course we didn't. It's, I guess we could in the in the I, future. I would, I would love to do that. Uh, if not that if nothing else, I'll uh, pack this up and send this to Ellie who can support her family member. That's right. Arch, who's now headed to University of Texas at Austin. Fox does have a partnership with the Big 12. So while Texas is in the Big 12, <laughs> maybe we could go and have some access to campus and to the stadium Wait. Uh, for a game. I've, I've never been to Austin, Texas, and would love to go to a game. So it's been less than a week. It'll be a week on Thursday when Arch Manning announced where he's headed, which is Texas, of course. And we will discuss the effect within less than a week, what he's had on recruiting. That's coming up in hour number three. Uh, headlines today, we continue to watch for any Deshaun Watson news or notes to pass along uh, from the hearing that's taking place in front of former federal judge Sue Robinson, where the NFL and the NFLPA have both presented their cases for what they believe the suspension should be. And there's a report out from the Associated Press that there could be a settlement between the NFL and the NFLPA agreeing to a six to eight game suspension if, in fact, Sue Robinson comes back and recommends that as the discipline for for Deshaun Watson. Again, we'll, we'll keep you updated there. Um, another topic is Major League Baseball and expansion. This has been discussed a lot over the last three or four years, maybe a little longer than that. But I think the first thought of Major League Baseball expansion, there was an eye roll. And then there's, oh, now the commissioner's talking about it. And, oh, now there are ownership groups, not just here in Nashville, but sprinkled across the country, looking to be one of the two teams that they will add for expansion. And every now and then, Rob Manfred drops this in as what, what a main goal would be for the league. And he has again said, I would love to get 32 teams when discussing future expansion. Not movement, not relocation of like the A's or the Rays, but two more teams added to the league itself. And guys, why I don't 
understand the rush to add two more teams to the league right now that feels a little too big based on attendance figures. And I also can't argue against the local ratings aspect of what some of these teams pull on these cable networks. So uh, regional sports networks. So, of course, monetary gain. They're going to be in Vegas. In fact, the A's, Major League Baseball, there was a report out, they have allowed, I think it was voted in yesterday or late last week, there will be no relocation fee for the Oakland A's if they move to Vegas. It's got to be approved by the league, but you know it, it costs millions for the Raiders to move to Vegas on behalf of the NFL, for instance. They desperately want to get a Major League Baseball team in Vegas. That would be on relocation. The Rays, who knows what happens there. But beyond that, I keep reading this, guys, and I think Nashville's on the short list of teams or locations that could land an expansion team within the next decade because the commissioner keeps pushing the narrative. Yeah. Where's the billionaire is the same question that we always have. Um, So that's the big thing. I have trouble envisioning them expanding before Oakland and Tampa Bay are settled. Right. So you got to get those things settled. And those are not new issues, right? No, but the deadlines are coming up, especially right. for Oakland with the city and different votes. The well, and, they, and the Rays it's not have dead, been though, in trouble right? for it's a while. It's not dead, but they're... Uh, the they're, Oakland waterfront site. No, not dead. The, 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 the Howard city, Terminal. But right? let's get those right. two things done. But the deadlines that, are coming. Well, but they, how long have they been in disarray? Six, seven, eight years, but both I of them? I bring that up because the, the, Vegas is going to get a, a team. Is it the A's or is it expansion? Oakland's going to get a team. Nah. If Oakland lo- here's hear me out on this. If Oakland, if even if it's just taking too long or whatever, if Oakland loses the A's, mark my word, they will get that site approved for an expansion team I eventually. I don't think so. And, and get another team. I think this what's similar. What happened with Cleveland is going to happen with Oakland. They have too much history so you think it's in like that market to not eventually. That's why I want this settled. Either the A's stay and Vegas is an expansion team, because if not, you're now suddenly throwing Oakland into the mix of expansion franchises. But the, here's, the problem, the, here's the problem, though. Here's the problem, though. Major League Baseball, would, you know, they've got San Francisco. That's it. There's another team right there. While they, they want this spot, uh, this – Howard Terminal. Yeah, the Howard Terminal. Thank you, which is right on the, the waterfront, right? Like this, it, Yes, it's close. It is a prime location. Um, they have been battling back and forth so much with the city itself, and now they have opened the door to make a relocation so much easier as a vote is about to happen on behalf of the A's staying there. It's almost like they're leaking this out there to make it known to Oakland, like no matter what you do, they're leaving. The Browns and the Oilers right. happened because Art Modell and Bud Adams, uh, respectively, had terrible relationships with their cities. I don't think the the A's brass has but a terrible what, relationship what with the city. Was a I think they're fighting like relationship hell to piece over it their city about. About a stadium. What was Bud Adams' beef with Houston? Uh, the stadium. What was Art Modell's but it was, beef? But he had a Guess bad what relationship with the mayor. New guy comes in. Yes, but he and has hated a good the relationship mayor. and gets it done. But he and Bob Lanier, the mayor, hated each other. They hated each other, but though, this, this, in large part over a stadium. No, but they were fighting and they hated each other on a personal but level. Then you are, I, you hear you're nothing making about my A's argument own, for me, Paul, because the next guy that comes in will have a great relationship with the mayor. But you hear nothing about the current A's ownership and the current. 
Oakland uh, governance hating each other. I don't, I don't think that's the issue here. The issue is, can Oakland afford it and make it happen or not? I don't think it changes based on who the ownership group is. I think it, it's, it's either happening or it's not happening. It is the- I think it'd be foolish for Major League Baseball to to have a different A's group. It's either got to be this it's group not, or no group. Here's I the think problem the Oakland the A's spot. are much more Cleveland Browns than St. Louis Rams, St. Louis Cardinals but football. It, it's not, They're getting a team back. But it's not or just Baltimore, the stadium. It is the property. This is not just a $2 billion stadium that they're trying to get built at the Howard Terminal. Major League Baseball wants to control this entire area. It's a $12 billion project. And right now, it is uh, sanctioned or uh, they've got uh, it's designated, I guess is a better word, for port use. They want nothing to do with that. Baseball, I'm saying. They want that to be a baseball mecca where they, the city itself and the commissioners, they're voting on what to do with housing in that area, what to do for other businesses that they're trying to attached to whatever the stadium would include. And there's a lot of bickering over that more so than it is like, what's the stadium look like and do we want to keep the A's? So I think typically a stadium negotiation, you're trying to negotiate something that's around $5 billion, like in that area of it's the country. more than twice that. $12 billion is a completely different story, especially with how much they've been going back and forth over the current lease and the way they've treated the current fan base and team and city votes. I think it would be one it's, of the stupidest things ever to have a team. They need 18 of the 27 commissioners to vote to redesignate the area for something beyond port use before they can even get to what a stadium build would look like and what the and structure I, I is around the area. I'm not even thinking about as much in the ins and outs of the Howard Terminal project overall for the city. I'm thinking of it. The A's ownership, John Fisher, the A's owner. The A's are not a franchise that spend money at all, right? They're famous for not spending money and staying competitive with Moneyball. Your close proximity to Silicon Valley in Oakland I really feel like we're looking at Cleveland Browns 2.0, 2.0. The city of Oakland will retain the rights to name the Athletics, and the A's, and that According ownership group can go to Vegas and with ba- – how do the Browns do it? Well, the Browns did it by mandate for, from the NFL. But Mandate, but the, the Vegas won't care about the Vegas A's. Vegas can come up with it's their own It's the name. same ownership group. The owner cares about it. Do you think that the owner that's moving the team from Oakland cares so much about the A's name? I bet he does. And moving to Vegas that he has to keep it? I bet he does. I bet he's going to keep the record book. He'll I bet be he's... totally fine getting that paycheck by moving to Vegas well, and naming it whatever. They could be the the slot machines. Who is it in Oakland? It. Who is it in Oakland? They're not going to care. Chad, who is it in Oakland the that's going to keep it? There's nobody in Oakland when he leaves to keep it. Well, uh, there, Paul. How... Oakland is close to the center of money in the tech industry. There is some billionaire out there who would love to own the Oakland A's. Well, where is he? He should buy them. They've, they've been in trouble they're forever. They're not for sale because their they're owner— They're not for sale, but somebody's going to buy the name in the record book? Hear me out. Their owner wants Oakland to give them the world to stay with the Howard Terminal Project, or he's going to Vegas to make billions— He's not interested in selling the team where they are right now. He's not going to sell low where they are now. That's a team. They don't even market tickets. 
There's a whole expose on the A's not even calling people to renew season tickets. They're trying to tank to get out because they know they're probably not going to get it from the city right now what they want. Well, they don't want it. Because they're, they're, they're trying to get everything they want with Major League Baseball. Not going to happen. They move. Other billionaire steps up. And there's someone who says, I'll own the Oakland A's if I retain the right to that name, knowing their importance in this region. And boom. You get the A's back. I, I really no team's think ever done it. we're looking at a Cleveland Browns situation all over again. No team's ever willingly given up their history. What we know is baseball has cleared the move for Oakland, the A's, to Vegas. by A relocation fee in baseball could cost as much as a billion dollars. Um, the Raiders paid like just under $350 million to move to Vegas. Um they have waived that relocation fee Which in is the A's big, sense. And it's deal. right on the cusp of this vote with the commissioners of the city there, which takes place tomorrow, about this whole port issue. Um, so, you know, I, coincidence that he's bringing this, uh, the commissioner's bringing up the expansion at the same time? Maybe, maybe not. But it's not like I've, you don't hear Oakland and this site for expansion like you do. Nashville, Montreal, like it, it, we can continue to go down the path of other cities. It's either the A's stay or the A's leave, and I don't hear about the Howard Terminal one way or the other. But then the, I think the, the the issue to keep in mind there is the votes are happening, and then once the votes happen, that's in some type of city contract through the commissioners for a foreseeable future. So it's very difficult to change whatever they're voting on for an expansion team if they're not going to do it for the Major League Baseball team that's there right now because the construction's going to happen on that property. It's not like you put everything to an effect and then you don't build on the property right. waiting on the expansion direction. team. Let me, let that's me... why Major League Baseball has got to win their argument for how to use that port. Um, and the city is looking at it from the aspect of who's paying for it right. and, and, how much, and how valuable is that to us versus how different, different avenues we could use the the property. Let me spin this somewhere else based on something you said earlier uh, about the expansion teams. You understand the appeal of two expansion teams based on regional television ratings. And we've always talked yeah. about that. I use my in-laws as an example. Die-hard Philadelphia fans of everything living in suburban Philadelphia. Phillies on their TV every night. And most of their neighbors the same way. So the Phillies are the number one rated TV show in Philadelphia every night. And there's huge value in that. People tend to discount that when they look at the popularity of baseball. It's a different deal. It's not a national deal. It's a local deal. That said, Yes Network in New York, which is what the Yankees are on, has been putting out some rating stuff lately, and it has surprised me. And I know this is out of the blue. So they put this out uh, yesterday. They put this out June 28th, so about the June 27th game. Last night's A's-Yankees game was Yes's most viewed game in four years, and they put out the number of average total viewers. I'd like you guys to guess what that average total viewers for the Yankees, who are having an unbelievable season in the biggest city, in the biggest market, what do you think the average total viewers was? Average total viewers over the course of the game, just any given yes. minute. Yeah, they've got highest quarter hour also. Three hundred thousand. I, I was going to say like four fifty. All right, four ninety eight. I saw four ninety eight, and I thought, wow, that's low to me. 
Well, I'm trying to think of how many how many well, households just, have the Yes Network outside of the market. Like that, that's also counting. So my, isn't it? yeah, my family has it in in South Central New Jersey. But it can't be highest quarter hour was six thirty seven. I was just thinking. I, I was expecting. I would have started at seven fifty, thinking it's, of the size of yeah, the, the market, the biggest being in on, years or whatever. You know, being yeah. on a network or being biggest on ESPN matters. You know, something available everywhere. That's the big difference. But I mean, the Yankees are huge there. They're obviously having this tremendous year. If That's, everybody in New York, if it's the highest rated thing in New York, understanding that some people are watching the Mets, that still just doesn't sound like a a, a mammoth number. To me, that sounds like a mammoth number but that, for, I mean, for the Rangers if, if in the Texas Rangers are I mean, having a monster sound, year. That sounds like an average number, not the top number, but an average number of what a network is going to pull for the NHL on a random Saturday or Sunday afternoon on a network broadcast. Because well, I and just I, saw the numbers. We saw I the mean, number for the USFL, and they were, they were on par with the NHL on... A, a network broadcast yeah, on it NBC. Was, it was more than English Premier League on NBC, more than NHL regular season. So that's right on par with this. But also, I, I just saw the numbers. Uh, College World Series championship game was 1.6 million people. The softball championship was 1.7. Softball highest number reach was 2.1 million viewers. Now, Paul, that's ESPN in prime time, right, for the softball women's national championship game getting – what, about four times the amount of viewers? And this was a Monday night. And again, that's Yes regional. Network. Regional. That's a pretty good number to me. Completely regional. When you look at it yeah. that way. That's the entire country yeah, that's good that gets ESPN, and it's about four times the amount for a national champion. Of a and regional. And that's a good number for them. And this is a regional network. USFL debut on Fox at, on a Saturday night on a network did $3.5 million. And that's yeah, the I biggest think, number of the year. Yeah, in that context, for the yes far, but network, in that context that's, that's very good. Yeah. So I hear that. I mean, I, I get it. At first, you think, man, there's how many people in New York in New York City Metro? I don't even know. But then how many are actually like subscribers to that? I feel content? like at one point it was like the size of uh, the state of Tennessee, which was like seven million people. <laughs> when you count everything around yeah. there, it's like seven or eight million. Maybe it's it's less or more than that now. But yeah, I mean, if you put it compared to other major sporting events? 18.8 million. Wow. And 400,000 watching the Yankees you know, on an average. And that number is changing. There's more than right. 400,000 people. It was 600,000 at the peak of the game for, for the big moment. It's pretty good. Yeah. That was good context. Coming up, Jane Rashada to the U and payment or not payment, things that have been said. Things that have been um, tried to put to bed or swept under the rug on the four-star headed to the U. We'll discuss what all it means and the bickering that's back and forth between another university and the U. Something we haven't seen in a while, quite frankly. Uh, we'll get into that, plus the SEC strength of schedule. And not your everyday suspension handed down for Major League Baseball for a brawl that took place over the weekend between the Mariners and the Angels. All of that and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here is a headline from three days ago that will shock none of you if you're a college football fan in today's world. Outkick 360 rolls on. Headline, Jaden Rashada reportedly agreed to $9.5 million NIL contract with Miami booster John Ruiz. The same John Ruiz who the NCAA flew down and met with <laughs> like three weeks ago uh, and who he voluntarily decided to, to meet with. And we had a huge discussion on why you would even bother to chat with them because, again, what are they going to do? How good is this guy for nine and a half? But he, I, I he's see a four-star prospect. I saw. But the, I mean, the what's a five? What's a five getting? Well, according to some reports, eight million. Eight, yeah. It, it's based on who you're up against, really, right? And and the time of all this. So now this has sparked the Florida NIL Collective against Miami, where Florida's NIL Collective is releasing statements. Um, and you've got uh, other people going back and forth over nine and a half million. How much was Rashada paid, all, or will be paid? All of this stuff. Chad, it is uh, he's he's a four star recruit who was highly sought after in the state, and we have gone from on field rivalry to now recruiting rivalries based on which booster is going to step up and pay the most. Can you imagine John Ruiz in that meeting with the NCAA saying, hold on, guys, i got to take this real quick. <laughs> i got a text here. i, I got a four-star quarterback on the line about, I need to get a coming, route. about coming to the yeah. U. Hold on one second. I need to get his routing number. One second. What's the line from Major League? i got a guy on the line about some white walls when he's at the tire store, when he gets offered the job to coach the Cleveland Indians. Um, no, this doesn't surprise me at all. And uh, I said it when the NCAA wanted to talk to John Ruiz. I would have told him I'm too busy. And not to even meet with them. Oh, I should if, if I was John Ruiz. I would have pointed this he out. Met with them about the Gator Collective. The report also included that the that Rashada turned down an eleven million dollar offer from Florida to go to Miami. Well, it's odd because there's an a, John Ruiz is the big booster that's giving money to people at Miami. There's a lawyer involved that's repping Jaden Rashada, Michael Caspino. Michael Caspino. Also, he so he runs his mouth. Sounds like to, a character on SNL. He run, it's on three sports that has the the initial uh, report, right? He runs yes. his mouth on three sports about, and we left money on the table, and he's talking about all this, and then comes back, and you know you hear the the truck backing up, and he says, "Well, hold on now, there's nothing in writing yet. We don't, we have no deal signed." Then they asked, "Well, when could you expect a deal?" He said, "The next few weeks," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, "That's still." technically illegal under NCAA rules because he's not going to be in school in the next three weeks. If you're signing a deal with him, you're saying, oh, I, you know, there's, I don't know why they're saying the deal is done. There's nothing in writing, but we expect it to be done in the next three. It's the same thing. You got paid to play, and the deal's coming a little bit later, right? I don't care. It, the right. whole back and forth is just funny to me, and I think that story getting out that – First off, it's a great win for Miami. I mean, however you want to slice it, they got a kid for less money, allegedly, than the Florida Gators <laughs> got this kid, allegedly. And they're collecting million. They're denying it. But the fact that it's now out that the Gator Collective is offering $11 million for a, 
a four-star quarterback in California, that's going to get some more interest in Florida. I get recruiting. well. But it, I think it would until the collective itself, the Florida collective, releases a statement saying they don't believe in these practices and that they've never had any dialogue whatsoever with Mr. Caspino in California. So they like they're saying that no, we we didn't offer him anything. We had no dialogue about this. When I think you're right. I mean, they, he takes nine and a half million, but here for a four star, you're like, well, we're the collective that offered I, I, eleven. Um, we were all so surprised when who's Nick, next in line? When Nick Saban and then Jimbo Fisher holds the press conference, just goes scorched earth on Saban. We're surprised because we don't see head coaches do it that often. Yeah, these bloated ego booster guys <laughs> that are doing this now. The wars that could go on between them and what they could say back and forth is going to be highly entertaining. Because what if the Gator Collective came back and said, no, actually, uh, this guy's wrong. We didn't talk to him at all. So Miami outbid us by $9.5 million. <laughs> if you just put it on them and said, we offered the kid nothing. It's Miami that had to give him $9.5 million to get him to go to that school. We're not offering guys anything right now until they get here. The boxing match, the verbal boxing match you could get back and forth with these schools now through collectives could be an entertaining sideshow with this. It's all semantics. Here's the sub story to this to follow. It's Billy Napier and his, his start on campus as the head coach of the Florida Gators because NIL or not, collective or not, recruiting has not started off very well for him, uh, for, the, for the Gators. And... To put it in perspective, he's he's running a program right now that back over the weekend where I looked this up, they're according to twenty four seven sports, they're ranked thirty sixth in the country in recruiting at Florida. That puts them behind right now for the next year's signing class. Puts them behind Duke, behind Northwestern. It puts them behind SMU, who is killing it on the recruiting trail from the transfer portal yes. perspective. They are crushing it. Find their niche. 36th d- doesn't just, you can't just say, well, you know, we're 12th, but we're fifth in the SEC. How far is that getting us? No, they are falling way behind. And meanwhile, you know, you've got Napier who's talking about, you know. Hey, let's put that in perspective. Go, go 30, 36th, right, for them. Just in the SEC alone, I'm looking right now at consensus recruiting rankings for 2023, this current class. Okay. Um, Texas is two. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Future SEC team. Where are they right now? Are they still 36th? Uh, I, haven't, I don't know if Florida's had a recruit over the last you know, 48 hours that would change my notes here. Um, so I want to give them credit if they're higher than that. Well, according to this list, they're 18th. Okay, so they've they've landed someone. This is this twenty four seven? This is the consensus football team rankings at on, on three is where okay. I go because they, they, they again one service might have them way up or way down. Sure. I, I like the one that combines all of them. So they're eighteenth, but they're behind Texas at two, Alabama at four, Georgia at five. Usual suspects, right? By the way, Louisville's eighth nationally right now in recruiting, killing it. Arkansas ten, Tennessee eleven, A and M thirteen. And then Florida and LSU right there at 18 and 19. So 24-7 on Sunday had them 36th. And again, like it, SMU, Rutgers, Duke, Northwestern, those are teams ahead of them. How about this. Rutgers? So it has not started fast for Napier's tenure there. Um, now, he's, this is the team that went 6-7. and seven. 
you can argue that it's Georgia and the SEC East, and then there is a big battle right now for the second-best team, and Florida is not the, the hot selection anymore. Beyond that, though, you know, he's, he's giving he's – his talking points right now are here's – here's something he said in an open letter to Florida supporters, Billy Napier. And I like the guy. I, I think he's a, a fantastic coach, and he was that way at Louisiana – and I, I, I'm, I hope he has success because I want guys like him to continue coaching at a high level in college football. But I think there's one thing missing from an open letter to supporters here. We play in one of the most iconic places in college football, the Swamp. This year's Orange and Blue game gave us a small taste of what playing in front of Gator Nation is like. And we can't wait to get started this fall by hosting Pac-12 champion Utah on September 3rd under the lights. We are working on creating a new future through a journey that emphasizes discipline, toughness, detail, accountability, integrity, and most importantly, teamwork. Now, he also emphasizes NIL and uh, discusses an $85 million facility that will make an impact within their program and also benefit all Gator student-athletes. But, man, at some point, you have to talk about winning. Got to talk about winning. And I didn't see that word in the open letter to Gator Nation on behalf of Billy Napier. I, I think Saving this is that. an uphill climb that unless you start getting some momentum early, it's hard to get out of a rut in the SEC, no matter what division you're playing in. And while he can go in and coach these guys up, it is a long road to hope, so to speak, when it comes to actually seeing results for a program that's going to demand more than six wins a season. He's got a super talented quarterback. That's a good start to his career there. And Anthony Richardson, who I think is going to do big things. Yes. I also am naturally skeptical because he sounds like every other failed Saban assistant, quite frankly. They all come in saying the exact same boilerplate process, See, I would infrastructure, com- I would compare this more to... Uh, all, all of that. Now, the one area where he's different is he's immediately come in and Florida has granted him the money and resources to hire just an enormous yeah. amount of staff. He's got a bigger staff, I think, than Alabama, right off the bat, of support people that he's brought in for that whole system to take place. All these analysts. and Everyone that he's wanted, he's gone out and hired. So that, that's encouraging for Florida. But let's look at Saban assistants that have done well. There's really two. Kirby Smart went back to his alma mater. And he had never been a head coach. He was an assistant. He was a very highly trusted guy and competent coach under Saban at Alabama. Kirby Smart played safety at Georgia. He goes back home. And it's worked perfectly because you knew Kirby Smart was going to recruit like gangbusters to his alma mater. And he has. And it's worked well. And he's a really good coach, too. The other one is Jimbo Fisher, who has, in the pantheon of Saban... Saban liked coaches has not been touched by Lord Saban nearly as much as other ones, right? He's had his experiences with them, but he's got a lot more influences other than Nick Saban in his coaching tree. And he has coached under Saban, but then he went out and he did it at Florida state, right? He, he, he didn't get what he wanted initially at LSU goes to Florida state wins a national title. So am I leaving someone out? Those to me are the two, the other ones that have passed through like Lane Kiffin He's not a Saban guy. No. He just happened to get hired by Saban when he was but, trying to rehab his career and did well. Here's um, – and you're, I don't disagree with what you're saying on the Saban tree. But 
here's the disconnect I, I haven't seen in Gainesville that I think it's starting, it, it, it's been going, it's been churning, and it's more than just message board driven. In college football, if you have, and maybe they don't have a blank check, but you're right about the money he's been given to go hire his staff. That's, you're not hiring your staff. Let's be real here. You're not hiring your staff and spending the big bucks for a guy to go coach up the second-string linebacker. You are hiring your staff to win this part of the football season, which is the recruiting season, and the results are not there. You don't hire your staff, and your first big momentum wave is 36 in the country. That is alarming. And while you're not, you know, he's not on the hot seat, it is something to pay attention to. Not because when start. you start picking coaches out with recruiting background, I mean, that's really what you're paying for. And even some really bad coaches with a good assistant coaching hire can go and make waves on the recruiting trail and get the fans behind you before you even kick the football off. That is not happening in Gainesville. And one, uh, not just the... You see where I'm going with that? Not with just the, the, the staff itself? Yeah, and not just the overall recruiting ranking, but, and I forget where I read this piece about this, but pointing out that Miami's got their guy they targeted at quarterback. Tennessee went out and got their guy they targeted at quarterback. All of these top quarterback, the high-end four-star or five-star guys yep. are falling in line with where they're going to go. And when you start to go down the quarterback carousel and you swing and miss a number of times, you end up with a three-star guy that you didn't necessarily want in the beginning. And that's the concerning part right now for Napier is that he does not have that quarterback in this class that they desperately need to, to get in this class. And they just lost one to Miami. And you don't – you can win games by having a coach in college football that is able to improve the talent that he recruits. You know, taking a three-star and turning him into a five-star talent, that's another coach-speak aspect that we'll hear. Um, you don't win SEC championships or play in Atlanta by doing that. That's not realistic. And that's what's expected at Florida. Am I wrong in pointing that out as well? No. Eli Drinkwitz can get away with that. Yeah, Florida fans aren't going to accept that. Florida fans believe that you hire a coach and within a year, you're competing with Georgia at the top of the division. This is also a place... Give them a year and by year two, you need to be there with Georgia. It's also a place that has turned into not an easy place to go win. (laughs) I mean, uh, Dan Mullen failed. I was shocked by that. They well, got rid of Dan Mullen. They ran him out uh, he and went and hired no Billy time. Napier as their replacement. No offense to Billy Napier, but it's not like you went and hired, um, you know, the it, you didn't go the LSU route or the Texas A&M route where you go overpay for a coach and a proven guy who's gone on to compete for college football playoff berths and uh, win the national recruiting championship. Um, you went and hired Louisiana's coach who LSU wouldn't hire because he was Louisiana's coach. But it was good enough for Florida. The Mullen thing is strange because he did have some success. You know, he gets them to Atlanta. Uh, he, he's doing some good things there. And then the bottom just falls out, and yeah. Florida's always been quick to react. I would like to see more of these athletic directors look at the actual landscape of the conference and just recognize, man, Georgia and Alabama are just light years better than everyone. So if our normal comparison is up against Georgia, always maybe change that. that in the short term. And then adjust it a little bit, and you keep guys around a little bit longer until they can get truly up into that stratosphere. But you, but that doesn't happen at places like Florida. Well, it doesn't happen when you're 36 nationally. Have they done anything out of the transfer portal to offset that? 
nothing crazy yeah. in that regard. Um, I'm trying to think of who I, I I can't remember a notable transfer they've landed. You can and this, let me. I'm going to preface it. Like I'm sure they've can, gotten someone. You can take a two and three star recruit at Louisiana and coach them up and win a conference. Like I'm not saying that can't happen in college football. I'm talking like top tier Power Five college football. I don't see the champions out there who take you know the recruiting trail and then these guys blossom once they get on campus. I'm talking about in totality. You can do that at a conference USA level. But not in the SEC. Well, and the Sun Belt also, I mean, at Louisiana, he had built the program where he's going to get the top recruiting class in the conference every year. So it's very easy to win the Well, conference. speaking of transfers, he's getting guys from Louisiana to transfer to Florida, but one when, of his offensive linemen. And when you're in the Sun Belt and you're you know, winning Sun Belt recruiting, he's a good player. you're probably going to win the conference. Yes. Um, and uh, I want to preface this again. I want Napier to have success because I like the fact that that you can go get a guy that coached at Louisiana and has earned the right to then take over a program in the SEC. I don't know if the patience level is going to be what's needed whenever you start out by hiring and boasting about a coaching staff and how much money's being levied to these guys to hit the recruiting trail, and there is no momentum there. I, I'm, Post I'm Mullen, you got to be patient a little bit with the next guy, don't you? I'm interested. I don't know because they were so impatient with Mullen. I mean, they pulled the plug on him the moment it went south. Uh, it was quickly. Season wasn't even over yet, and he yeah. had a bad year. And they weren't, you know, that he's out. So I'm interested to see if 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 Napier can work from this perspective. I don't know what his identity is. He's a good coach. He learned under Nick Saban. He did a good job running the Louisiana program. And was always, you know, interviewed well. People wanted him at other jobs. He kept turning them down. But if you ask me to name a specific characteristic of Napier teams, I I can't tell you what it is. I don't know what his offense is. I don't know that they do something special or unique on defense. I don't know what really his track record is as a coach. Um, I I say that because other hires across the league – Josh Heupel, you now know one year in exactly what they are. They're going to snap the ball as quick as possible. They're going to run about eight plays. There is identity. But they're going to do it in a sequence that's going to fool you, and they're going to hit a big play on you, and they're going to wear you down and surprise you early on with their style of play. That's Josh Heupel. If you sign up for that, you know what you're going to do on offense. You know what his team's about. Um, Eli Drinkwicks, even. He comes in as this guy who was known as someone who could fit any offense – to the personnel that he had. He's an offensive guru, so to speak, right? I mean, on down the list of hires in the SEC, you sort of know what you're getting with them. And again, this is no knock on Billy Napier because he's just known as a really good, solid football coach. I don't really know what he is. And that whole mission statement he laid out, okay, great. I mean, I can put a bunch of fancy words together too about teamwork and synergy and building blocks and everything else. And, you know, you could be Nick Saban. You could also be Butch Jones. But when you, you put think, all those words together. You think what they'd say is it's taken it's gonna take him a year to get his traction. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, but when you're hiring assistants, Paul, you're bringing guys with you on the recruiting trail. Do you have more momentum? Davey Hudson sends us the you have more momentum than a four star cornerback from Georgia as your lead transfer other than Louisiana. Like Who I'm guessing probably wasn't playing at Georgia is why he yeah. left. Or he was but sitting behind someone. Point being, like, you're not thirty six in the country as of last weekend on twenty four seven sports at Florida. This isn't Billy Napier, head coach at Missouri. Yeah, he should be better. 
for sure. It's good news for Tennessee fans, right? It's good news for and at some point I, I don't know Georgia because fans. you know Tennessee lost to Jim McElwain. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that anyone at Florida that they could. Uh, they well, you could might hire still you lose and to you him. Might, you might beat them. You might still yeah. lose to them, but it's not because they're bringing in buckets of talent. It's not your everyday suspension for the Mariners and the Angels. Wait until you hear who was suspended by Major League Baseball because of this brawl. Who That's was? next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So, Paul, right before the break, he said, who wasn't suspended from the, uh, the Mariners-Angels brawl uh, that took place over the weekend with uh, suspensions? Um, the interpreter was suspended yeah. for two games. It's that I, I can't recall reading through a list of suspensions and seeing interpreter on the list of suspensions. Find you an interpreter that'll throw hands for you, and that's the interpreter you want to hire for your major league baseball. One thing team. that really bothered me, and I think it was a written report that I saw first. Uh, I, I saw some highlights going on. This is when we were hosting a, a a party for a kid's baseball team. So I saw it going on, but I wasn't really paying close attention. And then the first thing I, I was, I read a report of it before I went and found highlights of it. And it said, you know, a, a big melee with people apparently throwing punches. This safeguarding of the language. Like, if you look at that, there are clearly punches being thrown. Right. Why do you have to say apparently? Like, if you're a reporter... And you're watching that. It's clear there are punches being thrown. Uh, saying apparently throwing punches is ridiculous. The, the other thing is, I, I don't know how I feel. They threw an opener who I don't think was scheduled to throw, clearly with the intent of retaliating for pitches they didn't like the day before. Everybody's saying, well, they played eight times in 15 days, whatever, things got heated. I think there's a degree of this, this, which is the nature of the game, and the pitch that got all this started was not high and tight to the head. The but Phil Nevin was suspended the most, right? It was like ten, 10 games, games because of he, he he made the call. The manager made the call to start the opener, get this going. Yeah, um, failed Yankees third base coach. Yeah, um, intentional throwing at pitcher Andrew Wance while warnings were in place. That's what Major League it was, Baseball said. It was not your everyday run-of-the-mill suspensions because it was not your everyday run-of-the-mill brawl, I put in air quotes, that you see in Major League Baseball because usually it's a bunch of guys staring at each other, yelling at each other, a little bit of pushing and shoving going on. And normally you watch one of these fights and we thought the old line of, they don't want to fight. Patty cakes. These guys don't want to fight. There were some guys who were ready to fight in that one. It was a mixed bag. Some of the guys, I, I've watched it, any good fight, I'll watch 50 times. About 70% of the dugout that stormed the other side kind of came in ready to maybe break someone up or do some trash talk. The other 30% came in throwing haymakers. Including Rendon, who's got a cast on one arm and is throwing punches with the other immediately came in and grabbed someone by the jersey, hockey fight style, and threw a couple punches. They didn't land many in in a great fashion. But they were throwing some haymakers. Still, I thought the best visual was the super slow-mo of a guy throwing... A crate full of bags of seeds. 
Oh yeah, it was <laughs> very, you see very artistic. Goes, very artistic with the seeds coming, the bags coming slowly out of the crate and all of it flying. And then I, the guys picking up the pieces of bubble gum from from another thing that came out. They're cleaning up gum. They looked like kids who were yelled at by their mother. Now you go clean that up. Has an interpreter ever been suspended? Like I, I you know, I I just if take that. So as, I would think it would be for misinterpreting. Yeah. Jesse Winker was suspended for throwing the double bird. Which he apologized for. He said, I'm not apologizing for anything else, except I shouldn't have thrown those double birds because the fans, you know, they pay their hard-earned money to come out and see us. They deserve better than that, especially to the women and children, I apologize. I'm I'm always surprised by, like, the suspensions and how they divvy these out for any league because you can always compare it to what they've recently done. And so you have Fam who slaps... (laughs) He slaps Peterson, right? And gets, what, two games? Was it two games he was suspended for? Maybe it was more. But it certainly wasn't 10 to 12 games. I think it was uh, like two or three games, but the first one he served that day. He didn't yeah, play that yeah. day after doing it. So, and then and when he came back, I think he, was, he had like soreness or something, so he didn't play immediately. Point being, like, I don't know where they come up with 10 games, 7 games for a double bird when on camera during warm-ups a, a player slaps an opponent in the face. Uh, over fantasy football. Like, I, a lot of this stuff doesn't make any sense. The interpreter, meanwhile, like, this guy's getting a raise for joining in on the squad. Uh, he was out there to translate the, he was out there yeah, translating was, the cursing yeah, during the fight. He was translating. Fighting. All right. They earned he respect said, at the same you. time. Headlines next. No, Lacrosse Outkick 360.